0: Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the Volquist.com mailbag podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control. Be sure and check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or visit them on their Twitter page at Blue H 20 underscore climate or give them a call at 865-299-2290 for all your HVAC needs. Get that heating system checked out, get a good checkup and tune up on it before we get into the wintertime. And again, for any repair that you need, they're the place you need to talk to, the people you need to talk to, They'll take good care of you. They'll do it the right way. Uh, they've got all the financing you need. They're going to tell you exactly what you need. They're not going to tell you and sell you on something that you don't need uh, because they're going to send a technician out to tell you exactly what you do need, not a salesperson. That's BlueWaterClimateControl.com. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Guys, We'll jump. let's just jump right into this thing and get going. Or, or do you want to do master's predictions first, AP? What do you want to do? We'll save that for the end. Okay,
1: we'll save that. For i to have a hook end. to save them
0: to the end. Huh? Is, that, is that the hook? Everybody's bated breath wants to hear Austin's master's prediction. I don't know if anybody has seen this or heard this, but um, Austin has played Augusta National. By the way, if you were to put that on our YouTube channel, we might be able to run a few more ads next month or for the next month. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, how many times do you watch that a day, Austin? How many times do you watch your video a day? Um. I don't watch Do it you all, at all. Do you fall asleep to it at
2: night? I wish how does that worked, man. It, hindsight being where it is, I wish Robert, that me and you could have hired Brant Packer to follow him around for eighteen, and tape the whole thing, and we could have shown it. Oh maybe, yeah. Maybe got Bob Kessing to, you know, to, to narrate. Hello,
1: friends from Augusta National Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia. It's the Masters.
0: All right. Let's get into this. this. We'll get to your master's prediction here at the end of the podcast. Let's jump right into the questions. We'll start with UT ball fan 29 Why do you think uh, Tennessee's had such problems finding a quarterback? Is it recruiting evaluation or a coaching issue? I think it's the fact that you've had different coaches at the quarterback position at the offensive coordinator position. I don't think Jim Chaney would have taken um, certainly not J.T. Shrout. I don't think he would have taken Brian Maurer as well. We know that He did not pursue Harrison Bailey very hard when he was at Georgia. Um, And he inherited Jerry Garantino. So I I think that it's a situation where, you know, the previous staff had Michael Penix ready to go and Adrian Martinez ready to go. And and this staff didn't take either one of those guys, much the same way Lane Kiffin didn't take Taj Boyd or Bryce Petty. It's just, it's a byproduct uh, of the coaching transition, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think great. so. I mean, I think it's a combination of all those things, uh, you know, that, that the poster asked about. I mean, I think it's evaluations. I think it's this, the the coaching turnover, um, you know, and and you know, to this point, really, when you think about it, Jim Cheney, his first quarterback that he will bring in is going to be Caden Salter, and you know, um, you know, <laughs> I, I think that that's tough when you really look at you know where they're at at the quarterback position. the the guy that's calling the plays hasn't really been able to bring in his own guy yet. Cause I mean, I mean, most of the big time quarterbacks were committed a year ago when he took over, you know, and Harrison was already committed here. They look at, they took a hard swing at Haynes King
0: and, and, you know, couldn't overcome the distance. All right. Speaking of quarterbacks, we'll follow up with that with pandemonium Reigns, knowing what Prue and Chaney should have seen, with JG midway through last season, why didn't they move heaven and earth to get a transfer or Juco quarterback for this season so that Tennessee would have a proven quarterback?
1: I mean, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, you know, I think if the head coach had it to do over again, Brent, he would probably sign multiple quarterbacks in every year. And, you know, at some point you're going to hit on one, right? I mean, like, (laughs) like it's just kind of law of averages. Um, you Know, I, I so I, I think you know, if, if you could do some things over, I think if he could do things over, he I don't know about panics because you know, I, I think at that point he was just kind of anti whatever Butch had committed. Um, because he was remember, he came in as the anti Butch. Um, uh, Martinez, I think he would have still wanted to take him, but then that kind of got sideways. Um, and then, uh, and then I think he would probably go back and make different decisions with his quarterbacks, um, especially the first couple that he took.
0: And Tennessee would have listened and would have certainly had – would have entertained the thought of J.T. Daniels and J.T. Daniels was interested in Tennessee, don't you think? I can't imagine that they wouldn't have. I mean, I would think 100%. I mean, I, I don't know how many quarterbacks were interested in, in Tennessee in terms of transfer, but I, I think if that had gotten serious or possibly gotten serious – you know, that would have, but he couldn't take any visits and he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to go to Tennessee without coming and seeing. Tennessee. And
1: it just so happens had he came here, he still wouldn't be playing anyway because he ain't playing to Georgia and and, and you can tell and by the fact walk-on. Yeah, I mean they're playing a walk-on and then they went back to the kid that started against Arkansas that they benched when he got, you know, hurt or when, uh, when uh, Thurston the Third got hurt uh, you know, this past weekend they, you know, they, they, they went back to him. So, I mean, JT Daniels is clearly not healthy yet.
0: Well, and here's the other thing. I will say this. And JT Daniels may end up being a good player. I don't know if he gets healthy, okay? Most of the time, if you if a quarterback's transferring, he's transferring because he didn't win the job. Felipe Franks is an exception. He got hurt and got Wally Pipp. He lost the job because he was injured, okay? And they weren't going to go back to him after Kyle Trask performed the way he did down the stretch. So that's why he moved on. But most of the time, when a guy transfers – the guys generally lost his job, and and you know why you want everybody to be Joe Burrow that you take as a transfer. Unfortunately, more of them are like Keller Chris Rob than they are Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, I you who's the big guy out there that they missed on? I mean, I have a hard
2: time faulting. You know who? I mean, maybe I, I'm KJ Costello, light years ahead of. He lost his job at yeah, Mississippi of, of State, JG. right? And you, I mean, you certainly would have taken Daniels, but I mean, I don't think. I don't think they could have gotten him. I mean, I mean, obviously he picked Georgia, so I mean, I don't, and I also don't wonder if if Jim didn't think he could fix Jared with another offseason to work with him. I don't I mean I don't know that. I just I, I think it's worth speculating about.
1: Well, he showed enough flashes last year. You back to the Missouri game. He had a couple other moments where you're like, okay, but then he has these like these moments where you just left like pulling your hair out too. So. I mean, I don't disagree with what, what Rob's saying, that potentially another year, or like a second year in the same system, was something that was in their mind, uh,
0: which was something we talked about and everybody talked about. All right, 865 Vol wants to know how hot is Pruitt's seat at this point. I don't think it's that warm. I don't think – I think Jeremy Pruitt's going to be back as Tennessee's football coach next year. I've said that. And I'm, that's not breaking news on the Mailbag podcast on a Thursday morning. I've said that. You know, I also said anything is possible because it's Tennessee and we've seen that. But if you're asking me what I think is going to happen, I think Jeremy Pruitt's the head coach of Tennessee next year.
1: Yeah, 100%. I, that's what I lean to. Now, again, they can't be lifeless the last four. If they go in they lifeless the last four and lose to Vanderbilt, then I think that all bets are off. And, and it's just simply because you can't lose eight in a row and be, you know, Lose to, you know, an Arkansas team. that yeah, while they're better, they're not that much better. Lose to Kentucky the way you lost to them. And then you lose to just an atrocious, god-awful Vanderbilt team. Just, you know, kind of projecting and playing devil's advocate here. I I think that all that could change. But I expect them, you know, Coach Pruitt is, is publicly saying they've got to push it down the field. They've got to be more aggressive on offense. Let's face it. Tennessee should beat Vanderbilt. If they play aggressively, I think they will beat Vanderbilt handily. But if they continue to play offense the way they have played it, I think that plays into Vanderbilt's hands of being able to hang around. As far as the rest of the games, I mean, who knows? If you get the right kind of scheme and you match up well, you never know.
0: It's interesting, Rob, that Jeremy Pruitt has, has spoken. He said it on vol calls Wednesday night as well as Monday do about, you know, pushing the need and, and kind of a little bit of throwing it at Jim Cheney. I don't know if you want to say throwing him under the bus, but but throwing it back on him that he needs to – call better plays essentially is what the implication is seems kind of seems kind of bizarre but knowing Jim Cheney unless Jim has just really changed his philosophy we've always known him as a guy who wants to push it down the field Rob right I agree I mean go back to Tyler
2: Bray I mean, I mean those are some terrible teams but those are some fun offenses to watch you know with Bray and the receivers um, maybe it just means that Jim doesn't have any trust in his quarterback that was what I was getting ready to say Sorry. I, it just looks it just looks to me like I mean, there's just no trust there. I mean, you, you I mean you get beat by 31 against Alabama game. Again, you run it 38 times compared to 23 passes. I mean, that, maybe that's an exception. I mean, clearly, I mean they threw eight passes in the first half at Arkansas. Yeah, I get it. Arkansas is not good at defending the run, but when you're averaging four and a half five yards of carry like Tennessee was in that first half, I mean that's the that's what you're working for when you want to dial up the play action game and take some shots. And they never you know never even did that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy. UT Sportsman 16, does Pruitt need to make significant changes to his coaching and managing style to be successful at Tennessee?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he always has to kind of evolve. I thought he evolved a lot going from year one to year two. I'm not sure if the evolving has continued, Um, you know, um, but yeah, I think he's got to evolve. I think all his coaches have to evolve. His staff will likely evolve at at the end of the year. I mean, it would be hard to think that they're going to roll out there with the same, the same staff in 2021 unless, you know, the offense significantly changes. And I'm not saying that Jim Cheney's is getting let go. I'm just saying somebody on the offensive staff likely uh, would, would probably not be back, you know, and, and you know, you look at, you know, who, whose contract's up, Will Friend's contract is up, T. Martin's contract is up, Ryan Niedermeyer's contract is up. Those three are going to be on, on expiring deals. So you know, does any of those leave? You know, what about Chris Winkie? He just you know renewed his contract this past year. Um, you know, so he has one year left. Jay as well would have one year left, and then uh, so would the. DA. Yeah, I mean,
2: T would walk somewhere, cross somewhere to be a you know offensive coordinator and, and call the plays. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, a lot
1: of people. A lot of people. Rob felt like he was destined to be the head coach at Tennessee State, being hired by former Vol and former teammate Mickey Allen. But with COVID hitting Tennessee State, I don't think TSU is making any kind of change.
2: Yeah, and for I mean, for anybody in T's position, that's the next step up the ladder. I mean, if you want to be a head coach someday, I mean, you've got to go somewhere and run run the offense, not you know just have a title.
0: Yeah, or you've got to go down a level and be a head coach. Yeah, go be a head coach right out of the gate. Yeah, but you know, I I don't know. I think that's what T is looking for. You're exactly right. He he South Alabama was
1: always another job that thought was thought would come open this offseason and obviously with his ties to Mobile, that one would make a lot of sense as well. That certainly would. And right. needs,
2: I mean, he's the lowest paid guy on the staff and your best recruiter. I mean, I'm yeah, I mean I'm I get that maybe the inside linebackers haven't been off the chain this year, but I mean, is it even close as far as you know people who who've brought the guys in that he's brought in. Maybe Jay when he gets some traction, I would put, you know, think he's on that level. But
1: well what Needs had a really good first year. Uh was not he, he was not nearly as effective in year two, but had more of an impact than most people think behind the scenes with, with kids uh, kind of being a secondary recruiter. But yeah, I mean, I not going anywhere. I I don't imagine. uh, I would venture to say that he, he resigns
0: uh, to a new deal uh, relatively soon. All right. CL DeMarcus wants to know, has Pruitt lost the team? I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe that either. Now ask me and ask me after I see him play again, you know, I mean, if if they if they lay down, then maybe my feeling is different. But I, I don't I don't believe that he has lost his team. I, I mean, and- I
2: thought they played the, their best two quarters of, of complimentary offensive and defensive football at Arkansas. I mean, just the last time we saw him, and yeah, I mean, they crapped the bed the second half. But I mean, I don't think it was because Pruitt lost them in the twenty minutes at halftime.
0: No, I mean, I don't know what they're doing during the 20 minutes at halftime, but it's not working. Here's the other thing, too. If, if, you'd have lost, if you had lost your team, I think you would see opt-outs because I think yeah. this is – I think that, look, sure. I mean, this look is – Look at Penn State. Year. Look at Penn State. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you've lost your team, then, then guys are opting out on you. And we've not seen that at Tennessee, um, you know, through this four-game losing streak. All right, S. Pitfall wants to know, a coaching change is a hot topic on the GQ this week. Most degree finances – are a major deterrent to making a change, especially in twenty twenty. Isn't it more expensive to allow Pruitt to make staff changes and then end up having to pay three year contract buyouts for those newly hired assistants if a change is made after next season? I don't think they
1: um, would let you do a three year deal unless it's a unless it's a new coordinator, and even then, I think that might be a tough ask.
0: Yes, and I don't think a new co- if you have a new coordinator, I don't think you're going to pay a new coordinator one point six million dollars a year on the offensive side of the ball. So nope. I'm coming um, in for seven fifty. You know, I mean, I, I just don't. You know, to to make a to make changes, you're talking about somewhere around fifteen to sixteen million dollars total in a year you're where you're at. losing.
2: What? 50, I mean, we, we don't even know
0: what the final number is going to get to. Fifty right. plus. I bet it's safe. And 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 my guess is even if you make some staff changes, you're not going to be in a situation where your buyout a year from now is going to be fifteen million dollars because I, you know things are you know Pruitt's buyout is going to drop, and then obviously. You would have Ansley, who would be in the final year of a deal. Chaney would be in the final year of a deal. I mean, you can figure out the the financials there that it's 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 not it's not going to be fifteen million dollars a year from now, um, given where everybody's contract situations are are. All right, let's go on to Vol since nineteen ninety six. With the delay of this week's game, will they look into working Harrison more with the first team reps, or at least behind JG? Also, with the extra bye week, do you? Think that may help the odds to beat Auburn with Pruitt being familiar with Gus. Also, how bad is this team hurting without having Austin Pope? Would uh, 2021 commit Hudson-Wolf be the missing link and helping this Chaney offense as far as blocking and maybe get vertical down the field? All right, several questions to get there. Let's start with the first one. We know Jarrett Gantano is not practicing this week because he's in concussion protocol. He's still day-to-day, and he has not practiced for Tennessee, which means other quarterbacks are getting reps i have to believe harrison bailey is getting the core of those those reps with the first team based on where they think they are with jt shroud and what they saw out of brian mauer i'm not saying those other guys aren't getting reps but don't you think harrison bailey is getting as much first team reps this week as he's gotten since he's been at tennessee
2: yes
1: it's the harrison bailey show uh they're if if they go when they go to auburn next week fighting we get to see actually football next weekend um if it's not Jarrett Garantano it will be Harrison Bailey and there's no doubt in my mind I, it will not be Brian Maurer and it will not be J.D. Trout
2: yeah but I don't see how it could I mean you didn't take JT Trout to Arkansas and I think everybody saw everything they needed to see for Brian Maurer in those three was it three or four series and Harrison I mean you know he didn't light it up or anything but he it wasn't even close to me and I you know Arkansas was dropping eight and Whatnot, but it looked like you had something to work with.
1: I'll say this about Bailey. He, he, he did not, his mechanics are slow. His feet are, 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 are not, you know, they're not stellar. Um, but he never looked like his head was spinning, Brent. He looked very calm out there. Whereas Brian Mauer, who's been in the system a, lot, a year longer and has played and started played football in multiple games, looked like he was, his head was on a swivel and, 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 eyes were going back and forth i mean it was two two different kids out there
0: yeah and i mean I, I don't i don't even know that brian recognized down in distance at times i mean there's a couple third down plays where they're coming i'm not trying to be mean where they're coming off the field and he's kind of looking like why are we coming off the field it's like it's fourth and nine dude i mean you know and, and, and i just don't think he uh, i think everything was everything looked really fast and he looked almost out of control out there running around, heaving, heaving the ball up, whereas Harrison did, did not. Not that Harrison all of a sudden is like the guy, you know, necessarily. But he certainly, to me, it's – and I've said this all week long. To me, it's J.G. and Harrison Bailey. That's the two quarterbacks you have to work with if you're Tennessee. Um, extra, extra week, extra days help Tennessee with, with Auburn? I would think it has to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I think, I think Jeremy Pruitt's got a pretty good beat on Gus, whether he's got extra days or not extra days. I think the extra days are more beneficial to um, the younger guys that I I think, you know, you're, you're trying to see if you can get them on the field some more and maybe it's more beneficial to trying to find some solutions to some of your problems as opposed to getting a big jump start on Auburn, you know, with a couple of days practice there. But you know, it doesn't hurt by any means.
2: Man, and going back two years ago, the day after Brant Packer prepared a delicious steak dinner, Austin, if you remember, I, I mean, that was a bad Tennessee football team and a pretty good Auburn team. And Jeremy, I mean, I, I think the proof was in the pudding that, you know, that he's got a pretty good handle on what Malzahn wants to do and probably better than a better handle than he does with any other team in the
0: league. Yeah, I, I think so. I think he spent probably more time dissecting Gus's offense when he was working for Saban, than he did anybody else's offense. Now, I think the challenge for this year's team with that is will the guys execute what he's got? What he's got? I mean, I think that was some of his frustration. You know, when he was trying to recap the Arkansas game on Monday, is it, you get to sense Austin that he felt like he had the right call on multiple times, and guys didn't execute it from a technique standpoint, or they just had a they just had a flat out bust out there.
1: Yeah, I, you know, and, and talking to a couple of people that
2: they.
1: They had the right call, repped this numerous times in practice, and then it just didn't translate to the game. So, well, I think
2: in particular, I mean, those two big pass plays, I think for sure were just individual I think that's when you
1: Go back to you, and you know, and I know they're five, six games into the season. So, to me, that's the excuse is not the same as it would be if it was game one or game two. But I think this, this defense continually misses Nigel Warrior, misses Daniel Batuli, and misses Daryl Taylor. Yeah, no,
0: there's no doubt about that. And offensively, as he asked the question here, I do think they miss Austin Pope. Oh, big Rob. time. Big time. I don't I mean – I don't – I couldn't agree with that
2: more. Um, I mean, I don't know how to answer the Hudson Wolf thing since he's not stepped foot on, camp, on campus yet. But, yeah, I mean, what if – I mean, and this is no offense to either one of those kids, but what if Jacob Warren or, or Preston Fant done? And I mean, I don't think they are great in the run game, and, and they certainly haven't – you know, made any, made any plays in the passing game. I think Austin Pope. I mean, it's not necessarily under the radar. I think
0: a lot of people are talking about it, but yeah, I think that's, a, I think that's significant. And we'll see it. We'll see how Hudson Wolf is when he gets here. I mean, you know, when he arrives, he's he's missed a year, Austin, right. He's had yep. the injury and had the surgery, you know, where's he at from a physicality. I don't know how vertical he gets in, in the passing game for him, but they need a guy who can be a combination inline blocker who could also be somewhat of a factor in the passing game, whether he's a, a, you know, a dump down guy or, or, you know, you get a matchup that you like that you can get for, you know, a few yards here and there. I don't know that he's going to be a guy that stretches the field, you know, 40, 50 yards down the field, but he's got to be a guy who's a weapon. Yeah. He can't, I mean, he doesn't need to be Travis Kelsey, but it's got you've got to have the, the tight end, be a part of your offense. Yeah. I agree. You know, Luke right. Stocker, Michael Rivera, somebody, you know, just adequate. Good kill, Gronk. music city ball wants to know when Chaney was originally hired did he say that after his three year contract was up he for sure wants to retire was his hiring always just going to be a three year deal or do you know if he was open to an extension if the direction of the offense went well with him in relation to question number one how is the staff crafting the recruiting message to key 22 offensive recruits such as Ty Simpson right now regarding who will be the OC in 22 and beyond? And what the offensive scheme will look like Ty and his dad have to be wondering if Cheney going to be the OC or if there's a plan to replace Cheney, because he was going to retire after three years. I don't think Jim Cheney came in and said, I'm absolutely done in three years. I don't think that was ever the case. Um, I, I don't think that that's, that, that was what he told somebody, Hey, I'll, I'll work for three years for you and I'm going to be done. Now I'm not sure what he wants to do after three years. And I think part of it depends on the direction of offense and the quarterback that he has Austin.
1: Yeah, I think it's a lot more fun when you know you have toys to work with. You know, and and you know you have a you got a guy that you're coaching that that is making big plays and and there's excitement around your offense. I don't know how much you know, how much juice you have coming into work when you know you feel like maybe you're handcuffed in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, all right. What about the second part of that question in terms of the you know Ty Simpson and the messaging to recruits?
1: Well, I mean, I, much like uh, Joe Paterno always said, I'm going to go four more years. That way they couldn't use it against him in recruiting. I mean, you know, I don't think Jim Chaney saying, yeah, I'm out after next year. I mean, like, uh, I think that, you know, Jim Chaney recruits Ty Simpson as if he's going to be here. So does Chris Winkie. So does, you know, all, the entire staff.
2: And AP, break, I know you said this before on the podcast, but break it for, for those who are not going to want to hear it. How does Ty Simpson feel about Chris Winkie?
0: Loves him. Loves him. Yep, yeah, they are they, they, close they, with him as anybody. Yep, yeah, they certainly have a good relationship. No, no doubt. Tight. He's
1: really tight with Winky and Pruitt, and and he's tight with Cheney too. But I think Winky and Pruitt are the two the, the two he's tight with most. And and I think they've made him such a priority that that's that's big for Ty. You know, he wants to feel like you know he he's the guy,
0: and uh, he's definitely Tennessee's guy, and Which is- he knows it. Which is why his relationship with Pruitt is so strong compared to probably some other relationships with coaches out there, right? Correct. And,
1: you know, to be honest, he was going to be here this weekend. You know, he's he's planning on coming to the final two home games. He's been to the – you know, he did not come to the Missouri game, but he was here for the other two, uh, both Kentucky and Alabama. And he's planning on being here uh, for the A&M and Florida game. So, um, Tennessee's in a good spot there. It's not done. Everybody's going, it's done. It's not done, but Tennessee is in a really good spot with Ty Simpson. And, and to the point now where I don't even know if Clemson's Tennessee's biggest uh, competition anymore. I think it may be.
0: <clears throat> maybe who? Maybe Alabama. Alabama. Okay, That'd be even worse though, for, for ball fans. Yeah, that wouldn't be painful. All right, uh, Titus wants to know every game we still do not know who to block on run plays. Why is Cheney calling plays they don't know or practice? All players are confused. Is friend on? Um, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure what the last part of that is. So anyway, let, let's let's get to the first part of that. Or um, obviously, he's just mad. I don't. I'm not really sure what he's asking. Why does Tennessee? I don't know how many busts they have in the run game. I think sometimes they get they get beat, but I don't know how many times they just turn somebody loose. I mean, they ran for. They did have any trouble running the football against Arkansas. Or, or 35 yards in the first half.
1: Or sometimes guys pull or uh, the fans don't know the responsibility of the lineman and who they're supposed to block. I mean, like, that, that goes along a lot, a lot of times because th- there's been numerous times where I watch a play over the years, and Lord knows I don't know football like a lot of other people do, but I'll watch a play and I'll go, oh, that was a bad play by him. And then when I talk to said coach and I say, hey, what about this play? And they're like, nope, he was supposed to block that guy. It, you know what what you think is the right uh person to block doesn't mean that that's actually the right person to block so a lot of its scheme and 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 in particular what you know they're you know each individual lineman is, is supposed to do on play
0: All right, let's go to apple orange with the game canceled this saturday could the team practice or scrimmage if they wanted to yes 20 hour rule right as long as they're into the 20 hour rule yeah, yeah. I think it'll be yeah. interesting to see what, what Pruitt does with his team this weekend. Is he going to let think, him go home? Is he going to go around? What is he going to do here? I think that's going to be interesting. I think he's
1: going to call Kirby and see if they can line up that mat, uh, a rematch of Georgia.
0: Play I, Ohio
2: State. Play I Ohio State? No, you got
0: to stay in conference, Rob. Can't oh, going out of conference. Line it up. Let's, let's have an exhibition game in Neyland Stadium against Georgia. I, I, I bet I'm you don't. You know,
1: I'm neither confirming or denying that a call was made to the SEC about a possible rematch between the Vols and Dogs.
2: Oh, my word. Uh, I will say this as far as letting kids go home. I talked to a coach on campus this weekend. I don't think they let him go home. And I I was talking with somebody on campus this weekend who thinks that – I mean, and he's not coming up with this on his own. He's talked with a lot of people around the country. He thinks that everything we're seeing this week with with college teams is a result of Halloween weekend parties – Social distancing being thrown out the window, and now you know, eight to ten days later, the chickens have come home to roost.
1: Yeah, I don't it was, think there's it any all doubt your about kid's that. fault, Rob. He's a freshman over there at UT. He was he added into the,
0: the Halloween uh, man. I'm sure he was in the m- middle of some COVID soup. There's <laughs> no question. <laughs> wish, wish it was 98 wants to know Does it not seem unusual to any of you guys that we're almost seven weeks into the season and they still act like Harrison Bailey is so unprepared? I do not expect him to fully understand a complex offense, but Pruitt's words and actions suggest he can barely operate a simple one. We have watched team after team throw a freshman into action two to four weeks into a season without it being a total disaster. Even if you ignore the lack of spring uh, and spring and fall camp, it's beginning to seem like a failure of preparation on the staff's part. Or am I wrong? You're wrong. (laughs) I don't know. I
1: mean,
0: I, I understand how he feels.
1: Listen, I mean, don't you think, like, you know, the inner part of Hubs and Robin, I'm a big skill guy. So, like, when there's freshman wide receivers, I always want them to play. And, and, you know, I think that's natural. When you're a fan, you want to see that quarterback play, that five-star quarterback play. So, like, he came in with the weight of the world on his shoulders. Everybody expected him to play out of the get-go. Then everybody was understanding of the fact that they missed spring – Missed part of fall camp due to contact tracing and stuff. But then when Tennessee's not been very good at quarterback, everybody's like, okay, enough, put him in there. So that nobody can grasp it. And I mean, I get it. I understand the, the frustration.
2: But I mean, but also, I mean, and I know you get this too, AP. No spring practice, no fall, no fall practice for him. I mean, virtually no fall practice because of contract tracing. I mean, by the time he gets he's out of the practice field regularly, they're getting ready for South Carolina. They're getting ready for Missouri's defense. It's not all about this is our offense. This is what you do A, B, and C. I think he's I, – I think people really underestimate the impact of not just being out there when it's basic fundamentals.
1: And to me, and learning, Brent, how to run the show. Like going out there and, and calling a play in the huddle with authority, calling your cadence with authority, little things like that that I'm not sure he does, having talked to some people th- they they want him to be more assertive. Let's we'll see if he does that. He's got basically a week and a half more to prepare to potentially be the starter heading to Auburn.
0: Well, they totally missed the boat on not getting him on the field at the end of the Missouri game, yep. at the end of the Georgia game, and in, in the Alabama game, okay? Should have given him the whole second half. Should have given him the whole second half. Should have got him on the field earlier. I, I mean – one series into the game the other night with Brian Maurer, and you knew that that wasn't going to end very well. They missed opportunities to get him on the field, which would have helped with some of those things, uh, not just understanding the offense, but managing the offense. There's no question about that. So that's where I fought the coaching staff in the preparation of Harrison Bailey. They did not take an op- advantage of the opportunities when they presented himself to play a backup quarterback, and I would have played Bailey because you already knew what you had in J.T. Shroud and Brian Maurer because you played with them a year ago, and they have been on your campus over a year. So you knew who those guys were. Um, all right, a couple questions, and then we're out the door here to, to get gone. SCC Beast wants to know, in Pruitt's first year, it felt like we were hyper-aggressive on defense. Pressure was coming from everywhere. Heck, if you look at onside kicks, I would say we're aggressive in special teams too. Rewind this past week to Arkansas, and it felt like in the third quarter we were running a vanilla and soft defense. That's up to the point where Maurer had all the three and outs. Then magically the defensive line stopped playing well, uh, what I guess was just a gap contained control, and went after the quarterback, saw a little help from Thompson and others. For a coach that says he wants to play aggressive and be multiple on defense, why did it feel like I was watching third and Chavis in the third quarter our defensive players are mostly the same, are better than last year, so I'm not buying its players. Question, is the soft coverage and giving up the underneath stuff Ansley's philosophy? Why in the world did we wait until the game was lost to start to pressure Felipe Franks?
2: I would say I think it is players. Lost the first team all safety. You definitely didn't replace him with a first team all safety. You lost a second-round NFL draft pick at defensive end. You did not replace him with anything like that. And does anybody think you're getting a level play at – Daniel Batuli's spot that you got last year? No. <laughs> no I don't.
1: And, and and Elante was out. He, the one guy you replaced, you know, uh, Nigel with was, was you know, Jalen McCullough, and he's got a, a toe. that's causing him to be even slower. And, and then, you know, Schamburger, uh, who's in parts unknown now, is, you know, he, he, he's been a, a total bust the entire year, and they've not got anything from that nickel spot.
0: Yeah, those where they, they it,
1: where they got stuff a year ago from
0: the nickel spot. Yes, they have. How
2: much stuff was Nigel cleaning up and taking care of last year that allowed Jeremy to to get exotic, you know, in the front seven that just ain't happening now.
0: No, and and no question. And again, you had Daryl Taylor, who people had to worry about. I will say this: in the fourth quarter, they did get aggressive. I mean, they started bringing safety blitzes, they started bringing corner blitzes. I mean, they did some stuff in the fourth quarter that you did not see them do in that third quarter when they had a 13 nothing lead, you know, um but I think they were probably trying to get aggressive on a couple of those deep throws, you know? I think they blitzed Austin on at least one of those deep throws for a touchdown, if not both of them. George and, didn't have any And safety they didn't help. get there. You know,
2: the one to the right side George did not have safety help for sure.
0: Yeah, Correct. if he did, it was going to be in the ins- it was going to be in the inside. <laughs> he didn't have any on the outside. I mean, you know, I mean, if you forced him inside, yeah. maybe there was supposed to be safety help there, but he didn't have anything letting him get outside of him. That's for sure. Um, All right. Last two questions and we're out the gate here. Uh, Do you feel like um, what's going on with the coaching staff? Do you think Pruitt micromanaging is a big difference um, in a better coaching environment? In other words, he's asking, do you think that uh, Pruitt's micromanaging is hurting his coaching staff? What do you feel like is going on within the coaching staff?
1: Uh, I think that you know, the office, yeah, I think the office hours weighs on some of those guys, you know, but I mean, like, that I don't know why it should. I mean, they all know what it's going to be before they get here. I mean, the off, I mean, like, like when Jay Graham came from Texas AM to Tennessee, he knew exactly what he was getting into because he just worked in that environment at Texas a and did so at, at Florida State under Jimbo. Because you know, when you come from the Nick tree, you work, work, and then work some more. Um, But, I mean, I I think that some probably don't necessarily, you know, gel that way or, you know, can can grind that way, Um, you know. And there's something to miss there. Obviously, you know, Jeremy's been pretty vocal about the fact that Jim has been too vanilla. Um, You know, I'm not sure the development's been there at all positions. And so.
0: And I'll say this from a micromanagement standpoint. Maybe Maybe there's more micromanagement on game day, but on the practice field. I think Coach Pruitt's probably micromanaging less, particularly yes. on defense, because he's working with the defensive line exclusively. Yeah. I, I think it, I do do think Derek Ansley's had the secondary all to himself for a month, right?
1: Yeah, I mean he's had the you know, he's had the corners and safeties. Normally Pruitt's with the corners, Ansley's with the safeties. Then he had Shearer and Rocker this year. You know, I think early, you know, when he first came back to campus, he was working a lot with the linebackers trying to bring Niedermeyer along as he, you know begins his role as a defensive assistant and, and linebacker and then all of a sudden he shifts into being the defensive line coach once he fired jimmy
0: yeah certainly did all right that's going to do it for uh this edition of the blue water climate control com mailbag podcast but as we get out the door we got just a couple of minutes left here again check out our friends at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com austin price hello friends the world is yours
1: i'm gonna take dustin johnson Oh, that's going out on 11th. The Fourth Masters yeah. Tournament.
2: <laughs> wait a, eight, wait eight, eight and a half to one, the second highest well, favorite in the
1: field. <laughs> he's also had top tens in every year since 2015, Rob. So when you couple that with the fact that DJ is staying in a rancher-style house and won't slip down a lot of stairs this year as the favorite, I'll take him to beat Justin Rhodes by one shot come Sunday afternoon, finishing at
2: 7 AB, I hope you're right, because I, I got Justin Rose to finish in the top five. So At, uh,
0: Justin Johnson and Justin Rose. Does Tiger Woods make the cut? Yes or no? no. Yes, he
1: does. He does make the cut. And I, I, if you if you don't know the words to the the the, the song here, the David Loggins music, I I, I
0: don't really, sing. really urge you to really look those sing. up. We really I'm urge you sing. not to sing, okay? That's Rory McElroy. Talking. Hey,
1: I, I, I do I like Roy. I, I said Roy was my number two pick. He plays really good on soft golf courses, and we'll see if they turn the sub air on much this week. I
2: got it from a good source today that, that he, before the rain came down, he made four
0: straight birdies on the front and arm. Ooh, inside source, Rob He's Lewis. He's darts in Augusta, there. At Augusta National, that's going to do it for this podcast. There you go. Enjoy the Masters. Enjoy what little bit of college football we can find this weekend. That's going to do it for this podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hobbs. Have a great Thursday, everybody.